Welcome to the Whiskey Stories Podcast. It's been a dream of mine. My, my whole life I've wanted to own a pub and uh, to get a pub like this, is, I'm just, I'm over it. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I don't work any day. Uh, I, uh, I love my job. I, I come here with a smile on my face. I leave with a smile on my face. Eric, my old bar, uh, barman, he retired uh, two years ago. He was 77 when he retired. We used to price the whiskies off of 19 drams rather than 20, so he had a drink of every single bottle that we had. <laughs> Welcome along to the Whiskey Stories podcast with myself, Graeme Colgar, and we are back in Diggers Pub, and I'm joined in the tiny little dugout room with Angus, a whiskey fan. We've got Ross Barr, Whiskey Ross, and of course, the governor, the landlord, the main man himself. We've got Kevin from Diggers. How are we, guys? Very well, thanks. Excellent, Graeme, yeah. Brilliant, thanks for having me. We're back in, we're back in, and we've got drams in front of us, and uh, that's the most important thing. I think after last week, it was such an enjoyable podcast episode we've managed to come back for episode two so well done and congratulations to everybody who made it back and of course welcome to kevin who is uh, the man who is the man behind the athletic arms and diggers kevin what's it like to own your own pub it's been a dream of mine my, my whole life i've wanted to own a pub and uh, to get a pub like this is i'm just i'm over it. i mean I, I don't you know i don't work any day uh, i uh, i love my job I, I come here with a smile on my face i leave with a smile on my face um, it's just been a dream come true. My dad and my granddad used to drink in here. When my sister was born, my dad brought the pram money and bought everyone around and <laughs> but my mum was still in the hospital. So <laughs> it's, the pub's got, it's been close to our family for, for well, generations now. So it's uh, great to be a part of it. It's fantastic. And of course, the, the pub sort of has the accolade of Edinburgh's largest open whiskey collection. That is right. Right. I believe. You believe well, we're taking it. <laughs> I certainly believe that. I the think two, it's the largest open collection for sure. The two accolades that this pub has is it's the home of the Whiskey Stories podcast and it's also the, the place where you can get the most open whiskey collection in Edinburgh. Now, how many is that? We have about 750 on the gantry and each and every one of them can be opened and drank. So, yeah. They're all for sale. No, nothing's for collecting or Brilliant. gathering dust. And Angus, we've... We've enjoyed many an evening. We have indeed, yes. Yeah, uh, in, in this pub. And uh, I have to say, we've talked about this before, I guess, when we've come in, is it is a complaint of mine that you actually have too much whiskey because the problem is that you come in and you look up and you're instantly drawn to the brands and the bottles that you recognise, but then you think, well, I'm not going to come to a place that's got this much whiskey to drink a whiskey I can get in any other pub. Yeah, yeah. So then what you have to do is you have to then start scanning it. And, of course, the poor bar person who's serving you is standing there going what can I get you and you're going eh, give me a minute and you're looking along and you're scanning that shelf then you realise oh wait a minute there's another shelf there oh wait there's some down there oh wait there's a little bit over there in that corner and then they say well would you rather just have a, a menu or scan the QR code and then you spend another 10 minutes now you mentioned Ross before that you'll buy a dram to enjoy whilst you're looking for drams to have whilst you're in here. Well, that's a brave opening, I'll certainly say. It's one of those things, when we spoke about Balvenie 12 last week, that's I always right. said that that was a dram that I never bought a bottle of. Coming to a bar like Diggers, if I'm looking over the menu, I'll order a Balvenie while I'm looking, because, well, you need to. Right. When you say, but I, when I say I think Diggers got the largest open collection in Edinburgh, because I'm trying to work my way through it. <laughs> and as I, as I said to you both last week, I'm very lucky because I am... I'm a professional. Huh. And so ultimately, it's all down to work. I've got three drums in front of me the most right now that you will not, you just won't find a selection of three drums like that, in my opinion, any other pub in Scotland. Right. Got right. An, a, a really old Aaron um, Stories, it's called the Devil's Punchbowl. Devil's Punchbowl Stories number three, which I'd seen the empty box at the distillery and never tried it before. And I've walked in and seen it today. I've got a hand filled lag. I spoke about a wee bit about the Isle of Arran last week as well, but um, and then a really tasty Glencadam and still that I really like, and that's why we're going to talk a bit about whiskey pubs and and what we think about different whiskey pubs um, and our experiences and our stories. But this is the pub for me that when Scotland are playing, me and my pals meet here. If I'm catching up with an old friend or my dad, took my dad here last yeah. time. Last time me and my dad had a, a day out, it was let's go to Diggers, and. Well, like two kids in a candy shop, right. do you know? And that's that's something that you take for granted. It's quarter gills. Has to be absolutely worth mentioning in Edinburgh. Yep. To get thirty-five mils, you get a you can't taste whiskey if it's twenty-five mils. So, so something. And of course, the big. <laughs> so 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's an honesty, there's a kind of old school feel. I don't like Kevin that much. Sounds like I'm no. kissing up. But I feel there's, there's such a, an old school welcoming. This pub's seen a lot things, a lot of things, and a lot of people in here that have, have lived many lives more, more so oh, than right. me. But this is somewhere that I feel really comfortable. Absolutely. I mean, and also for whiskey fans in Edinburgh, it's probably one of the the best kept secrets in terms of, I don't know if Kevin's worked out his pricing structure probably yet, because some of the pricing that you get for 35 mils of whiskey, yeah. which really does draw the attention into people as well, because not only do you get such a wide variety of whiskey, but you're not getting charged way over the odds, particularly, and there are bars in Edinburgh, and you go into the city centres and stuff like that, and you've worked in, and you know, one, 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 a place where, last week we were talking about 850 quid for a dram, and uh, in your place, plus you had to chuck in 10% yeah. service charge as well, so there's places where you go where there are expensive whiskies to get, and don't get me wrong, there, there's a place for them as well, but if you want to come to a place in Edinburgh and feel a real local pub, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's the first thing, that authentic experience, and secondly, the, the the vast of selection that you've got and thirdly it's reasonably priced and you're getting a good a it's, good wedge it's the skin flint's choice Graham <laughs> <laughs> exactly whiskey's for drinking that's a that's, that's yeah. oh, here, here that. now tell me Kevin uh, the the pub so one of the interesting things that first grabs a lot of people's attention is it's it's kind of got two names uh, the athletic arms and is that the official name the of official the pub? name is athletic arms right so then the other name that people often refer it to is diggers and we refer to ourselves as diggers right why? It's uh, situated between the two graveyards. So back in the, the day, the uh, the grave diggers would be uh, quenched their thirst here after burying the dead. Um, they'd pop their pickaxes and shovels against the bar. There's indentations across the bar front where they've obviously maybe dropped a bit too hard. Um, so the pub was nicknamed the Grave Diggers and over the years just abbreviated to Diggers. Just the Diggers. Wow. There's been no recent burials in either graveyard. Um, so, you know, I don't know if the last time a Grave Digger was in here, but certainly the name the names, uh, continues. And are there not rumours of secret tunnels and things <laughs> like that as well? There, yeah, there's, there's rumours. Are these myths or...? <laughs> they are myths. Um, the local brewery up the road to McEwen's was brewed there and it was the best pint of McEwen's 80 shilling in the, in the city. And people presumed there was a... A secret pipe work of eighty shilling running from the street directly. Yes, is that right? Yeah, there you <laughs> that, go. That is not the case, but that, that, that was the rumor. <laughs> is that the most popular pint in here? You've got your eighty shilling. Used, used to be uh, back in the day. Now Stuarts make our own eighty shilling, which is a great pint. I like, and it goes perfect with a half and half. Uh, our biggest pints now Moretti, biggest seller pints right. Moretti. Yeah, yeah well, unbelievably. Um, uh, sign of the times we've got to cast our net wide to attract a range of drinkers uh, this is one thing we tried back in oh, August and it must have been around about 2010 maybe 2011 uh, Ian Fenton the old whiskey rep for uh, Gordon McPhail uh, now works or worked at Kingsborns he was our whiskey rep and we had about 50 drams on the on the gantry at that point and he said let's, let's, let's try up this and we'll try have a whiskey festival we'll try obviously sell us more whiskey it was his yeah. It was his uh, plan behind it, and I thought, you know, why not? It's a very busy pub for match days, uh, both rugby and football. Uh, so initially, the, well, the whiskey sales were basically pure profit because people were coming here for pints, and then they're adding on a, a yeah. nip. Uh, so we started the whiskey festival, 250, 35 mils, 40 whiskies, uh, range of flavour profiles, range of distilleries, and it let the locals mainly try something new yeah. and different. And it was only 250, so they didn't like it, they didn't like it. You know, could give it to their pal or, or whatever. And it's just rolled on from there. I mean, is that so? That's that was sort of leading on to the next part of the conversation. How long is it you've been at the pub for? I was employed here in two thousand and six. Uh, I came from a different well, one. My I, I started my own pub uh, myself, and I lost a lot of money. And <laughs> too young and too stupid uh, to be given the keys to a pub. So I came to work for my old boss Carl here, and uh, I signed the lease. Took it over from him in two thousand and ten. So you took that, and and at this point, then when you're you're having these conversations, you've already mentioned there was only fifty whiskies in the gantry at that yeah. point. So from there, is that what led on the, the popularity and the an understanding that you know we can get a reputation here? And, and again, from a business perspective, people are coming in for beers, but there's whiskey also available. Yeah, I mean, we'll get onto the reasons why. Um, uh, the, I've got the collection that I've got uh, later on, but uh, certainly it was a business decision and a love of whiskey. Yeah. I didn't drink it at the time. Eric, my old bar, uh, barman, he retired uh, two years ago. He was 77 when he retired. 
we used to price the whiskies off of 19 drams rather than 20. So he had a drink of every single bottle that we had. Because <laughs> he, he could uh, then... That's amazing. He, he could then uh, obviously explain to customers, and, you know, I, I wasn't drinking whiskey at the time. So uh, I, I passed it on to him to, to be our whiskey guru. There you go. So... Uh, when it comes to your journey into whiskey then, so if you're if you're in here at what, two thousand and six to two thousand and ten and you're not drinking whiskey at that point, what what happened? I wasn't drinking whiskey till two thousand and twenty pretty much, you know. Really? Yeah. I had a bad experience with a bottle of bells in my dad's uh, whiskey cabinet <laughs> up the hills camping at about thirteen or fourteen, violently sick, uh, and the, the smell just turned my stomach for you know, until well into my thirties. Really? And then uh, from there, I mean, you've become... Well, I appreciated whiskey. I loved it. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I think there was nothing more beautiful than a, a distillery in a nice summer's morning. Um, but I just could not, couldn't get to it. But gladly, uh, my palate's changed. Uh, I was a smoker at the time as well. Mm-hmm. So I gave that up. Uh, now I've got a genuine love for it, uh, both the brands and the distilleries and actually the whiskey itself. And, and what was the first moment where you kind of sat down and with a whiskey and thought, you know, actually, I enjoy this and this is something I, I like to drink. pretty much it was Glenn Fiddick. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it was, you. Yeah, they did a, a whiskey flight, um, you know, tried to obviously introduce people to it. So it was Glenn Fiddick, 12-year-old, 15, and I can't remember what else they had on it. But I was sitting down and a tutored um, tasting, and you know, they're one of the brands that are really supportive of pubs. Um, mm-hmm. So that was the first thing. Then we had a, a festival up at their distillery, which was basically just beer or whiskey you could drink, so, you know, you, could, you couldn't buy anything else, and it was all free, so whiskey and beer it was, and, you know, then then I obviously could de- identify different flavour profiles and what I liked, and then, yeah, just just sort of progressed into it. So my, my whiskey journey is less than five years old, wow. pretty much. Quite That's incredible. amazing. <laughs> it's quite incredible. I didn't know that, I didn't know that. I drank a lot I'm of whiskey not, with Kev, by the way. I'm not exactly proud of it. Okay? <laughs> but when, when did the... When did the the collection behind the bar really start to ramp up then? They, pretty much five years ago when I started really? getting into it, yeah. You know, we, ha- we always had about 100, 200 bottles and it was fine. There was various t-shirts and radio clocks and various artefacts on top of the gantry. So we got all that chucked in the bin and made, made space for whiskey. So now I'm like, do I need that, you know, do I need another fridge? So we're going to get rid of a fridge to get more shelves for more whiskey. And I'm like, I'd quite like a whiskey bridge. So I'm going to try and build a whiskey bridge. I can bridge. see the space, it needs it. And you just built those new shelves yeah, anyway. Exactly. So, so I quite like the idea of a whiskey bridge. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'll get the joiners to, to, to crack something up. And then I'd like to maybe keep the sort of similar 750 bottles is enough, I think. Yeah. But spread out a bit more. So there's a bit, you know, a bit easier on the eye. Um, and you obviously can, for customers and for staff. Yeah. Um, it is a bit jam-packed, that gantry. And have you started to notice now, I mean, obviously, we've this is a ideally located pub for... Rugby fans who are very close to Murrayfield, but then also down the road there, there's a football Premier League football team, Hearts, who, you know, that this is an area, and we know this, Angus, from ourselves, is this is a Hearts pub in one sense because this is a place close by where Hearts fans can come, and that's the way it works in football. If you're close to the stadium, you're a Hearts pub, yeah. um, or a, whatever the team is. But then also, you can come in here over a weekend, and there could be a game of football on the Saturday and they'll be full of Hearts fans or travelling supporters. And then on the Sunday, it'll be a completely different crowd if there's a game of rugby on the Sunday in the, during the Six Nations or something yep. like that, in which case there's rugby fans as well. So with the, the sort of draw of rugby and football fans and sport fans and stuff like that, have you now started to see there's also now whiskey fans actively coming into the pub because they've heard about the reputation? Most, most definitely. We, uh, to my boss's credit, back in 2005 when he took the pub on, a lot of the pubs in Gorgie were just... They weren't nicest places to be. They were absolutely mobbed one day a fortnight, yeah. and then you know they, were, they just basically let you know serve whoever in that time, in the and then wait for the next game match day. Uh, he made the decision to try and make the pub busy seven days a week. Mm. His focus wasn't on whiskey. He tried other things, but uh, certainly nowadays we've got queues of people sometimes at eleven o'clock who are travel from you know, the far east and yeah. wanting to try specific closed distilleries. So. You know, we have, we've got Brora and Port Ellens and, and, uh, in the gantry and you know, it's not uncommon to be selling 40, 50 pound drams at 11 in the morning Good. and the guys, guys are taking their time over it. It's also worth saying, we spoke about where I'd worked before. Yeah. We didn't have Brora's in Port Ellens. Yeah. You know, we're not, we're not talking about a, a, a whiskey pub where he's only buying from, from retailers. I think it's a credit to, be, to give to Kevin that he won't give himself is the amount of time that he puts in him and Claire enjoy time out and go wherever and go to Isla and all the rest of it. And I think maybe we'll get into that. But going to see when you walk into a pub that you already know, 
uh, or you see on the Instagram, Kevin's really put the new whiskey on Instagram and he says, oh, well, it was at Aberlour Distillery. So I bought back three distillery exclusives. Mm-hmm. I don't know a single other pub in Edinburgh that will do that. Yeah. And for a, a wee professional, I was going to say <laughs> wee nerd, but wee, wee professional enthusiast like myself, that just is exciting. That is exciting. And it's something that you don't get elsewhere. And I'm assuming, I don't know if you buy on auction. Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Buy yeah. on auction, which is something that's not we, many places do. Ensign you and, and yourself, probably the best examples of buying interesting old drams because you like it, yeah. they like it. Not just buying anything off auction, it's buying yeah. stuff that is thought provoking and people are going to come in and say, I can't believe I've tasted that. Yeah. yeah. My, my whiskey journey is now, I think, past 40%. Whiskey. I mean, now I'm appreciating cask strength and uh, experience or uh, appreciating different cask finishes. Yeah. And um, yeah, so if I like it, you know, I'll stick it in the bar. I think it's funny you're saying you've only been drinking whiskey for five years. I think psychologically, even if you don't drink whiskey, you always want to like whiskey. Yeah, of course, yeah. It's been like a Scotsman or, or whatever it is. It's like we're four Scottish guys in here. We're not the most diverse podcast at the moment. And <laughs> <laughs> there is one young person, I will say. <laughs> but it's, it's one of those things that even if you're not into drams, you're not into whiskey, when you go out with friends or family or there's an occasion and someone says, do you want a whiskey? There's something about right. saying, yeah, and actually this is the kind of thing I like and so on and so forth. And that's well, a perfect pub for that. Well, I think we talked about, I briefly touched on it last week about the drawing for me to whiskey is, and I, I can remember it's interesting with the beers that you've got is, I'll be honest, I can't stomach uh, IPAs or 80 shillings or anything like that. Just I just ha- can't get into that. And I can remember when I was sort of going through, you know, when you're 18, 19, 20, and there was two or three guys that I was at school with and they got right into the real ale scene. And I can remember being out with them, and they were getting excited because they were going. We, they would pick a pub that they knew. Oh, well, they, they changed their. They changed quite regularly, and they would go in. And I, can't, I think it was like, is it the Guildford Arms or something like that, or some? And they said, oh, and they were sort of saying, oh, they've got that on, and then they're going, oh, well, maybe try this. And I thought, ah, and there was part of me that actually felt quite jealous that they could have such a connection over something like that and get so excited. Where I was like. I just want a pint of tenants. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and that was it. And I think when you're 18, 19, 20, it's, a difficult, it's difficult to get into whiskey at that age. I mean, I, I, you, we talked last week about who you thought you were when you just walked into oh, Scotch, I, I thought sat I, down I thought, and ordered a dram. I, oh, I, I was totally out of place. I look at it now and think that I was 18 years old walking into Scotch. What was I doing? Why was there nobody there to stop me? But it's one of I'm, glad, I'm glad there wasn't. Well, well, exactly. you know, and, 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 and I was uh, the story we said last week is that you speak to the right people, you treat everybody the same, and opportunities will come. But yeah. that opportunity came from nothing other than wanting, wanting to be able to say something back to my father when he's telling right. me about whiskey. Well, that's it. And I think, I mean, I'm I'm trying to think. We're going to have a little bit of pub talk as well, like you know, stories from the pub and stuff. I guess I don't know. We're we're the same age. We went to school, grew up mm-hmm. together. I can't remember the first time I actually probably had the balls to walk up to a bar. I walk into a pub and say, can I get a, a whiskey? I wouldn't even know what to say. Mm. I wouldn't even know how to ask for it. Or, or mispronounce it. Yeah, a dram. Everyone's like, can yeah. I get a dram? And I'm thinking, do I say dram? I don't know enough about whiskey to be able to say a dram. Can I just get a whiskey? And if they say, what one are you wanting? You know, I'll obviously be able to recognise I'll take that one or whatever it is. But I mean, that's, that's what's happened for us is like we've created a connection through... Being it, that, that same connection I saw when I was 18, 19 with those guys I was at school with and I thought, how on earth can they get really geeky and nerdy and sit and chat about this drink and that drink and here we are now and doing it on, on a bloody podcast. <laughs> but it, it, that, that for me, when you when you are going into a pub and trying to try and whiskey and stuff like that, it's when you see the selections up on the, the bar and when you come into Diggers and you see that selection, as I mentioned earlier on, it is a little bit daunting, it's a little it bit is. difficult. Do you have to train your staff to actually know and understand so that if someone comes in without turning yourself into a whiskey bar? Fortunately, yes and no. Uh, A lot of the staff are young. A lot of them have no interest in whiskey. Fortunately for us, we have the whiskey festival that they're pretty well versed in. doesn't change too often. uh, And they can guide people around that. The people who want the better whiskeys tend to know what they're asking for. They yeah. tend to know what they're looking for and they know what to ask for. So uh, there is a few issues where they, we can't find or we've ran out and I'm not updated the, the whiskey book. Uh, 
they claim that it's embarrassing and you know we should always update it but mm -hmm. frankly we go through 10 15 bottles a week yeah. so there's no it'd be a waste of paper it'd be time consuming um and frankly if i got a pub and i've run out of one whiskey i'll find something else well, certainly you've... with this collection here <laughs> you've got you know 749 <laughs> other open bottles to pick from <laughs> yeah. oh, honestly it's difficult to be fussy isn't it yeah. I, mean, I mean today for instance maria sent me a voice message where's the deanston 18 it was like gantry center low that's not there okay we must have ran out okay the old pontley 18 uh window side gantry second shelf and that's not there that's oh, okay they found something else i was like <laughs> there you go yeah. yeah and it is hard sometimes you do go to pub tuesday about being daunting i certainly know that when i was new to whiskey i'd come in and say well i think i think this is what i like yeah what should i have based on that and it is really it's daunting for you but it's daunting for the bar staff if you've got 700 odd whiskies unfortunately there are some bars where you could go and mispronounce a whiskey and blah 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 and almost be laughed at or made a fool of but and you won't get that in a place like this because you're interested in whiskey the reality is this is not we're talking about whiskey stories and this being in a fantastic whiskey pub there's three or four sets of taps this is this is, this is a pretty big pub it's a yeah. big boozer in terms in terms of beers and volume and yes you can come in for a specialist experience as kev says if you're coming in and you're looking for a list of 700 if you're looking through that list, you either know what you're looking for, or there's no point looking through the list. Well, exactly. And, and, and what you'll say is you'll see the malt of the moments or malt of the months up listed and all the rest of it. And there's always a good introduction of drams that anybody. Maria's an amazing me member, member of staff. Yeah. I don't, how long has Maria been? She's been pub? here since 2013, 2014, I think. Yeah, her husband was a regular. And I think it'd be fair to say that sometimes I come in and Maria rolls her eyes. Because she knows, like, she's like, oh, where's this going to be? I'm going to be a ladder, so. I'm going to be a ladder, blah, blah, And most of the time now I do my research and I'll, I'll look at what's on Instagram and I'll try something new. But sometimes you just want a home dram, but actually there's a real comfort in coming into a whiskey bar if you don't know anything, you've got an amazing choice yeah. as much as intimidating as it is, but if you know lots, and if you not if you know lots, if you've got an enthusiasm for whiskey, try something you've never heard of. Yeah. Try something you've never had before. And you can certainly do that in a pub like this. Well that's it, that's what I've done to today. In fact the dram that I'm sitting in front of is um that's sitting in front of me, sorry, is the the Hirich, which is the latest or the first bottling from the Isle of Harris distillery. And um, I've done the real tight wad thing here and I've bought a decent bottle of whiskey <laughs> and I've thought, I'm not going to open that uh, because I don't want to open it in case it becomes more expensive than it was <laughs> when I bought it. So thankfully, when I walked in uh, this afternoon and I saw it up on the shelf, I thought, that's the ideal opportunity yeah. to try and get a taste of it. But it's great. And uh, last week, it was the Milton Duff from Gordon McPhail, the 10-year-old Milton Duff. And there's very, very few places, if ever, you'll walk into a pub and see that. I'm interested to know, Kevin, about how you sourced your whiskey. Ross has already talked about, you know, wee trips up north or going into Aberlour distilleries and stuff like that. From a pub's point of view, you know, a lot of pubs are tied into contracts with breweries. You get, is it C&C agreements and stuff like that where, you, you know, you've got that. But obviously what you've been able to do is go, well, I'm just going to source it myself as well and yeah. price it accordingly. So what's that like for you? So we, uh, Heineken owns this building, so I, I rent it from them. So we are fully tied on our soft drinks, our beers, uh, and our lagers and ciders and bottled stuff. Uh, so the only things we're free of tie on is wine and spirits. Right. Um, so <laughs> I probably should charge more for my spirits because um, I, I pay so much for my beer. But I've just got accounts with everybody. I'm not afraid to buy in bulk. Uh, bog standard stuff I'll hit up to Costco yeah. uh, I've got Master of Malt I've got Royal Mile Whiskies I used to use Gordon McPhail's mm -hmm. uh, I use auction sites I've been known to buy stock out of Rep's Boots before <laughs> so I've got some nice bottles downstairs <laughs> so yeah there's no limit to where I'll buy whiskey uh, obviously if I can prove the uh, authenticity and you know the uh, make sure it's real it's not counterfeit then yeah, yeah I'll buy it and and you, do, you do travel a wee bit as well. Of course, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> Take the dog and the, the wife up to the various distilleries. Uh, we lost our dog last year, Mika. Mm. Uh, so we've replaced her with a dog called Isla, who's a wee arsehole. Um, <laughs> decides that she doesn't like tents, so we just... Oh, well, that's not great. We're going to pitch up somewhere, blow up the tent, uh, blow up the bed, and then we'll bugger off to a distillery or a restaurant or a bar. You know, with the dog and the wife, and you'd know, have a great old time. But she's decided she doesn't like tents, so now I'm looking to get a camper van. Um, so yeah, we'll go to this uh, distillery, pick up distillery exclusives, 
and bring them back for people to share. And do you build up a, a relationship with those distilleries? Have you got a sort of other distilleries that you'll go to with the go, Kevin from Diggers? Yeah, I mean, we're over in Ireland into Boonahabin and obviously put it on the pub Facebook page. So the guys in the shop were like, right, you've got to come. And we went yeah. there and, you know, one of the biggest sales of the day was, was from us. Um, and it was, it was actually the highlight of the day. I did a follow to the wife because I was offered all these drams and I, she didn't like driving in Isla. So I was... Uh, she didn't even offer to drive to the campsite. She just, I <laughs> wicked <laughs> to nose the whiskies, and then she, oh, I was fuming. And she was, "What's wrong with you?" I was like, "I was getting offered some brilliant drams here, and I've got to drive, and you've you've got to drink the drams, and I've." Got <laughs> <laughs> it's always the hard one. I, I never even thought she said, "I was off." <laughs> so, I mean, when it comes to I mean, one of the things that's interesting, Ross, and I'll be keen to hear about your side of this as well as as Kevin's and Angus and I, we've got our sort of some experience in this. But you guys are the professionals. You're in the you're in the industries more than we are. But whiskey is such a great industry in the sense that you can build a relationship up with a, a distillery, and you get a situation where here, come and try this. Yeah. An example of that would be um, when I was up at Glen Allocky and I popped in. And we got speaking to a few people at the Glen Allocate Distillery and then went away for, a, you know, came back a few weeks later for, it was the Speyside Whiskey Festival that they have, uh, Spirit Speyside. Yeah. But it was the, I missed the Friday, the Friday where they do the big Kaylee. So it was a Saturday and everybody, it just seemed very sleepy because I think most people in the industry had been at this Kaylee and had gone on. In fact, somebody did say to me, just watch yourself if you're out driving today. There's not as many yeah. people. There's not as many police up here, and you just don't know how many folk were at this the, the closing Kaylee of the Spirit Speyside Festival. But we went up to Glenarchy and got chatting to just happened to bump into uh, the, the I wish I could name check him now because I can't even remember his name, but uh, off the top of my head, um, went in, bumped into him. He was in the middle of unloading some some drams or some uh, samples that he'd been had from a tasting, unmarked bottle sort of stuff. That you want to be look around. I said, die. Right, where do you want to go? Now, we try and stay away from geekiness here, but I'm a warehouse geek. For me, I love I love seeing casks. It's sit. niche. It's, it's niche. niche. Not <laughs> <laughs> I have used the phrase before, warehouses make me horny. <laughs> <laughs> but It's our cue to leave, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, we're in a pub, not a warehouse. Wait till you see me in a warehouse. No, so, but he says, hey, come on, come and see our warehouse. So we're around the back. Got, and, and I'm going... I'm kind of pinching myself here. I, I'm a big Glenallake fan. I love the whiskey. I've learned all about the distillery. And I, here I go. And I'm getting a one-to-one 10-minute tour. It wasn't like it was all day or all afternoon. Way up. And then back to the van where he was unloading. He says, here, you want a dram for, for the way back down the road? We were walking back. So I was able to say, yeah. Take, he says, here, take it for the walk. There's a nice wee waterfall walk that you can go from Glenallake that takes you back into Aberlour. And uh, that's where we walked and I had this nice wee drama and I was able to sit and enjoy that. And it was, it was fantastic. But that, that's the thing, when you build a relationship up and you become friendly, you'll see that, Ross, from the work that you've done. The personal experience and, and the relationships you can build up in whiskey are massive. I actually first met Kev in London, or on the way down to London. Um, it's not a story we'll go too far into. Um, <laughs> oh dear. Um, Kev's glaring at Ross. Kevin's laughing as he got ready. I met Kevin and Claire um, on the way down to London with uh, William Grant's, with, with Glenn Fiddick, and it was for the Century Club, and so it was the launch of the new 26-year-old. And so they brought us boys from Scotch because we're professional whiskey, um, whatever it was we went to do, uh, <laughs> drink whiskey and talk about it. And so, and so Kev was obviously part of the Century Club. It was a if you have over one hundred years of Glenfiddich or Balvenie on your back bar, you have a century of whiskey. Yeah. you are part of that club, so you get invited oh, wow. for these events. So Cam, probably the first big brand trip Cam took me on, and I bumped into Kev in the pub, and, and we had a time down there. But that is the people you meet, mostly with the same ideology as you when it comes to whiskey. It's interesting now, I think you probably weren't that, in, that, that you've only been three years yeah, into whiskey. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe that now. Um, and so we get taken out for a big, fancy, swanky meal. We know Mark, Mark Thompson's Mark. a friend of both of ours. It took such good care of us. I know. He, he picked, had to pick one person for to get try the 40-year-old and they were all busy doing something. Yeah. It was a Londoner, wasn't it? It was a Londoner, yeah, and, uh, on Leicester Square. I was like, what's going on down there? And it was like a whiskey vault. I was like, oh, that looks quite good. And see, the 40-year-old's getting brought out. I was like, oh, lucky bugger. And uh, 
he said, oh, one person could get to try this, and uh, uh, he picked me. Well, we just got engaged, I think, at the it time. Was, it was for your engagement, so you and Claire shared a Glenfiddich 40. Well, well I, I didn't share it. There's your revenge for Buddha Hammond. That's why you had to drive. Yeah, that's, that's not feel too bad for Kerry Hammond. Uh, but it's one of those things that it's... That came from a relationship that started with having a whiskey club, being proud of a whiskey collection, a brand... We've spoke a lot about William Grant, but I'm not sponsored by William Grant's so podcast. But they want to sponsor us. <laughs> but that was that's really special to try a Glenfiddich 40 year old because you've just got engaged. And, yeah. and all, uh, oh, by the way, Mark, I've just been engaged. <laughs> <laughs> we're all we're all you. <laughs> uh, it's, it's one of those things that um, that's something that will live with you forever. If you're a really sad whiskey guy like I am, and I'm probably the saddest here, I'll, I'll say that. But seeing a brand have that generosity yeah. towards what are normal people me, yeah, me and Kev are nobodies we're not experts we're enthusiasts we know what we like but we like yeah. a dram yeah. and if it's good we'll support it in loads of different ways yeah. you'll, like, you'll buy it for the pub I'll talk nonsense about it whatever <laughs> you want to do and and so that's quite unique but you look at our gantry what's what's Pride of place. What's got the best position position on the gantry? It's William Grant's. Yeah. yeah. All the Glenfiddichs, right in the middle, because they are such a great company to the bars, uh, to bar staff, uh, and they, they just know the industry and, and they, yeah. they, they make good whiskey. That's it. What, 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 what were the whiskies at the back of the cupboard then? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was actually quite lucky. I bought about thirty six bottles of Snow Phoenix from like, John Lewis for fifty quid a bottle. It's now selling for five hundred pound a bottle, and we are selling for twelve pound a nip. Do you ever find yourself if you're sitting on? Stock and you're thinking, oh, like, like a situation like that. Because you thinking, said you didn't buy to collect, but have no, you ever... what, what we ha- what I did at the start, actually, how it all started was, uh, you could get McAllen's, no problem, you know, uh, you get Port Islands, you get Brewers. So I thought, buy some up, and then we'll sit in it for a year, and then we'll let all the whiskey pubs sell it out, and we'll bring it up to the cellar, yeah. and then Start. we'll be the only pub that has it. So that was, that was my, my my reasoning behind it. But then some of these whiskeys just shot through the roof, yeah. and I was like, bloody yeah, well, I'll buy that off the pub for sixty quid. I could sell it for, and I put my pension. Then I got divorced and I had to sell it all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely raging to see what some of the Port Ellens I bought Aye. and uh, what they go for now, what, what, what I got for them. Uh, so basically I started again. Now, I, I'm not saying I don't like whiskey investments because I enjoy buying whiskey. There's some whiskeys that I've got that, frankly, I wouldn't drink because I can't afford it. Yeah. You know, if it's worth £3,000 a bottle, to me that's worth £3,000. Yeah. Uh, I don't like the brands that much to try it yeah. uh, if the arse was to fall out of it worst case scenario I've, I've got some whiskey to drink yeah. Yeah. Um, so I see it as a part of my pension part of fun but certainly buying all the, the, the snow phoenix was a <laughs> be a great bit of business yeah, uh, so I think we've we we actually now bring them in open um, suddenly got cottoned on to uh, they, they were stored downstairs seen it as a full bottle £10 a nip at the time it was it goes I'll buy the whole for, for 200 quid Yeah. so this bar starts are brilliant £200 through the till oh, they, no. they took the bottle and the box Aye. <laughs> Aye. <laughs> 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 yeah. so now they come opened yeah. so we bring, yeah. once, once, once we sell it here I'll bring in an open bottle wow. the, and, snow uh, Phoenix is, the Snow Phoenix is something I heard about before I ever stepped foot in this pub is that right? Cameron Ewan who is Mr Glenfiddich really I mean, yeah. he's obsessed with Glenfiddich Um said I'm going to take you to this pub and the first time I'm going to get is a Glenfiddich Snow Phoenix what's that? well exactly it's been gone for years it's the only pub that has it yeah, and I think you'll get on with Kev <laughs> that was kind of how it went yeah. I wasn't here that time was I? I don't... no no, no sure. this, is, this, is, this is something that was again when you come in with Cam I don't order drams when I'm in Cam's company <laughs> you know I can I can do whatever I want to do in my career but my father was a, was a big influence Cameron was my Edinburgh da. Yeah, yeah. You know, when it comes to drams, um, if he came into a pub and ordered two drams, I wouldn't, I wouldn't never question. We're building him up quite a bit on this podcast. We're going to have <laughs> yeah, to really, have to, yeah, he's, he's, we're going to have to get him on, but at the same time, we might actually just leave just, him off it yeah, because so the only, legend of Cam. I might need to get a bigger seat for it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, only, I'll only gush over him and, uh, when he's not here. When he's not, when he's here, I'll, I'll not say anything but, nice to him, I promise. What you were saying before about, you know, customers maybe being a bit apprehensive about ordering drams, whatever. It's the same for us when you guys walk in. You're like, Kevin, give me something. I want something fruity, I want something bourbon, I want something aged. Yeah. You're like, what the f- I give Ross, you know, the man that can drink, you know, 
he's got three whiskies out in front of him just now that have varied uh, and you're like and it's quite, a pre- quite scary sometimes like, am I going to give him some crap well that's it you're worried about what, yeah. what that person's going to actually yeah. you, am I yeah. going to give him something he's not going to enjoy I mean they don't have many bad whiskies but uh, you know, it's the fear for certainly if I feel it I know that my staff will feel the same um, so yeah just <laughs> what I like is coming if Kev's behind the bar I'll say I'll have one of them where'd you buy that uh, what you, you know blah, 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 and you're like, well it was a Wednesday you know, <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but, but I like the fact that everything is sourced by an enthusiast in yeah. a pub like this so you sit down and if Kev is bound at the bar I don't want to out him but if you come in on a Monday it's normally a pretty good day to come in <laughs> yeah. uh, Kev will be behind the bar and you say that, you know I've never heard of that tell me about it and, and he might not have heard of it either yeah. and so you can learn about it together and that's interesting so yeah, I bought it a hundred percent and, and again, it, everything's bought to be opened. And well, we mentioned your social media, your your Instagram and things like that, and that's where you kind of get an update of where you've been, what you've just had coming in. You'll see often two or three times a week a post will go up with two or three or three or four bottles lined up in the bar, a wee description say, we've just got this in, this is what we've got. So how 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 long ago did you start that side of it and have you noticed not, the difference? Not that long ago, being honest. I'm sort of a bit older, so I'm Facebook. Yeah, I'm, I'm the Facebook generation, mm. so... But then realising, I don't think Ross is on Facebook. Uh, something else I've seen. I don't, I don't use it, certainly. No. So, yeah, so to, to try to communicate as big an audience as yeah. possible, yeah. Instagram, we're actually getting a TikTok account set up and talking, oh, yeah. about, talking about Snapchat. And, that's, <laughs> and you're on a podcast. Yeah. This is great. <laughs> podcast. Yeah. But, but yeah, we do have to, you know, the t- times are tough in pubs. Yeah. Times are tough just now. You know, yeah. the electricity bills are ridiculous. So we need to get the pub as busy as possible. I'll probably will put the prices up a bit, but mm. still, you know, I'm quite happy. You're still yeah. getting a quarter deal. You're still yeah. getting an authentic service. Yeah. I've seen stuff on Instagram. <laughs> I've not got a problem, by the way. This is t- entirely professional. <laughs> but I've seen stuff on Instagram on a Monday and said, when I'm off on Saturday, I need to go to Diggers and try that. Yeah, yeah. Just no. because it's stuff that you don't see everywhere else. It's not just new releases that are getting bought in. Yeah, and it helps the staff as well. You can come in with a picture. So I want this. Yeah. I've not updated the, the, the whiskey book, so they're like, oh, yeah. And I'll, I'll have the I've price on that. it on Instagram yeah. all the rest of it. I've seen do. that. Yeah. No, I mean, you mentioned about times are tougher, pubs and things like that. We are, you know, we're in a cost of living crisis in the UK and, and you just have to go down many high streets in Scotland and see how difficult it is for, for pubs in the hospitality industry. You know, COVID was a very difficult period for pubs and, and clubs and bars and like everybody, all industries suffered. But one of the things you did see a lot of was pub landlords being very vocal about this is this is a real difficult time for us yeah. and things. Did you have any kind of thing that would keep you connected with your with your um, you know regular customers or just a wider customer base during that period of yeah, time? Yeah, I mean, we, our customer base is varied, but a lot of the pensioners find it really difficult. They were more scared of loneliness mm-hmm. than, than COVID. They didn't care. Frankly, some of them don't care. If they, they're, they're waiting to go and see the wives again, you know. They're, yeah. they're, uh, they're not scared of dying. Uh, they're scared of being alone. So yeah, we'd, we'd phone them up we do online whiskey tastings, we just do other, other bits and bobs. Uh, one of my drams of bottles I was going to talk about was a dram that got me through COVID, was a, a Boone Habit 2013 Moin Bordeaux. Uh, every Friday I'd have it and just check my taste buds were all working fine. That's smart. A bottle I fell in love with. It was just, it was such a nice wee dram and uh, I was developing my, my, my uh, taste buds at the time. Mm-hmm. My, my tasters were developing uh, and it was you know I could then pick out more of the, the notes and the flavours and the, the sweetness from it yeah, right. for having had the pub for so long through Covid and talking about the pensioners and the, and the locals more so rather than just like there must be quite a community oh, the, yeah. the amount of locals and that, that's actually what keeps pubs yeah. going when you talk about whiskey collection how fantastic it is and we idiots like me coming <laughs> in and buying 20 quid drams is brilliant but actually your fundamental is that your locals, your regulars, and so COVID is as difficult for them as it is for well, you. It was, yeah, but nowadays like, you're the profit. You know, the, the, the locals, this is not my pub, this is not Heineken's pub, this pub belongs to the people of Gorgie, Polworth and, and Edinburgh, you know. I'm just a mere custodian and I'm lucky to, to do it. And I just want to pass it on eventually when I do to, to leave it in a, as good a position as we are. But yeah, this the, the locals make this pub, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and I said, they're, they're in here day out, day, day in, day out, and they're the ones that pay the bills. You're yeah. the prophet. Yeah, that's the perfect slogan. The locals make oh, yeah, this pub. And that's, I think, is a local pub. I, I always say, for me, I've I've only recently been living in Edinburgh. I've drank in Edinburgh for many years. But I would say, Angus, we've had this yep. discussion as what makes a traditional Edinburgh pub. And I always see it as um, red upholstery. <laughs> if you go into any <laughs> pub in Edinburgh <laughs> and there is red upholstery, you go, this is a real pub. This is a real pub. You know, yeah, if yeah. it's got a fake... 
sort of plasticky wooden cask sitting in the corner you're going it's a bit touristy we're a bit too far out of town here if it's got red upholstery i think i always think if it's got those kind of benches with red shiny upholstery on it i'm thinking uh, we're in the right place here i'm not sure i've ever ever won money on it but if i go into a pub and there's horse racing on yeah that is ovd and optic (laughs) (laughs) i've got a pub with this horse racing on I'm instantly relaxed. There's no pretentiousness. Nobody's going to say, who are you and what are you doing here and blah, 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 blah. You can sit down on a comfy chair and, and get a pint or, or get a dram, whether it's whether it's a, a really interesting hand fill you know, lag like I've got right with right. my hand right now that Kev's went and bought on the island or one of his staff bought on the island or it's a, a dram of grouse or, right. a, or a monkey's shoulder. There's something comforting about these old no, school pubs. I mean, I, I I think when you when you look at the sort of generations of drinkers and stuff like that, where we you've mentioned about grouse and we've mentioned about bells and stuff like that, and you do know, and you've mentioned the iconic Hoff and Hoff, Hoff and Hoff, yeah. which is yeah, yeah, uh, for yeah. anyone listening, you know, it's it's a it's a well a traditional thirty-five mil measure is often referred to as a as a Hoff in Scot- Scotch terms. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, that would be correct. Right, and yeah. then. Rather than have the full pint of lager or beer or whatever it is you're having with it, you'd have a nice little half pint to support it. I think it's in fact, yeah, we, I, that's very much a preference of mine. Yeah, Graham, uh, absolutely love a half and half, especially in the pub. Because I, th- I find sometimes if you're drinking whiskey after whiskey, it gets your mouth does get dry. It's nice. To it's have, a bit of a droop. Aye. aye, nice to have a wee something to gonna help you help something it along. To it. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it, for you and I, there was a night in here. Uh, ah. And I'm sorry to have to bring it up, actually, Ross. It was actually after a trip back from sunny Ayrshire when Wraith Rovers had defeated Kilmarnock 3-1. That's right, that's right. And we yeah. ended up in this pub on the way back home. And it was just a case of what are we going to have? And it was half and half, half. And it was basically someone was going up and buying six half pints of lager. And someone was, we were taking in turns, someone was going up and buying six drams. And basically, it was getting sat down, and that was our night. And it was yeah. just basically between the six of us, we sat here, and, and it was great. And you, you know, and, and again, one of the things that, that you mentioned earlier, Ross, about um, about the being intimidated and stuff like that is we, we talked last week about the Scotch Bar in Edinburgh, which I do have to say, if you get a chance to visit it, go and visit it. It's fantastic. But you're sitting in a, a five star luxury hotel. You're in the centre of Edinburgh. You're in a traditional old building. The, the, there isn't any horse racing on the There's TV. no horse racing <laughs> on the telly. And, and you're not finding a red up holstery. There's no red up holstery. I, I, I did try, it's gentlemen. All it's all tartan in there, but, isn't it? But it's all nice tartan, yeah. It's all nice. But what I would say is uh, the, the, when you meet Cameron, you meet Fraser, and you meet uh, the other the other guys that are in there, Dario, sit, yeah. Dario and yourself, that, that when you worked in there, suddenly it was like you're speaking to just normal guys and they'll be able to very quickly cut out that element of pretentiousness and stuff like that and also you don't feel forced or pressured into saying you need to take that bottle there because it's a 200 pound or 400 pound whatever it is but again when you know when you've got that and then in contrast when you've got this it's, it's a local's pub it's just a, it's just a pub you're not expected when people walk in and over here what you're ordering at the bar no one's going to raise their eyebrows and go can't believe they're just uh, they've just ordered that can you imagine ordering that when you're in here? It's not like that at no. all, is it? And I think that's a, that's a that's a real key element that makes people feel much more relaxed in this pub. I think, yeah, it's the last time I'll gush over them. <laughs> here we go. I, I think you go into Scotch and yeah, for two Glenfiddich twelve, Aye. there's nothing that make Cam happier. Yeah, yeah. And and yes, you can come in, you can say, what do you have? You get people come and say, what's your most expensive whiskey? Yeah, yeah. This, I have a large one, on the rocks, soda Aye. on the side, it, anything they want, because. Good for them, yeah, and that's the life that they're living. And it's, uh, it's their whiskey. It's their whiskey. Do whatever you want to do with your whiskey, um, but you can go into a. You do feel quite special when you go in. I mm. think. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Do feel, to feel catered special, after. Yeah. The lads are all kilted up and all the rest of it. But also, if it's quiet and you go in, you speak to somebody like Cam. Oh, he's been in charge for eight years. He's made it a non-pretentious environment inside of Scotland's number one property. Scotland's number one pro. It's, it's bizarre yeah. that you can go in and, and feel at home. Yeah, you take your missus for an anniversary or for a special celebration, all the rest of it. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of generosity and, and knowledge yeah. Yeah, in a absolutely. place like that. I mean, it's, it's more like a museum or a. Yeah. Or, um... My father hates the cages. <laughs> I love it, the cages. Oh, see, he, he, said, he says, oh, it's like you're hiding it. Get it, you know. Oh, yeah, get it on display. Um, you know, just get yes. a bridge. 
Right, you guys, we have to talk about it. There's a bit of whiskey news. Uh, is a whiskey podcast. We might as well talk about right, some whiskey uh, news. Uh, and when this is being released, I don't know if this will have already happened because um, we're, you know, when this when this podcast episode goes out. But speaking about whiskey investments, and I don't know if it's a bit too sweet for your taste buds, this one, but there is a Macallan 1926 bottle. One of 40, and I believe one of 39 remaining because, quotes, they have reason to believe that one has been opened and consumed. So one of these Macallan bottles uh, from 1926, bottled in 1986, is going for auction and they reckon it will go for the most expensive bottle of whiskey in a whiskey auction at between £750,000 and £1.2 million. Uh, it, another bottle, I think, in 2018 was auctioned off that went for a million, and I think that was at the time the most expensive. This is a bottle from the same cask. It sat in sherry for 60 years. Sherry, sherry. I don't know if it's what. It won't be one sherry cask because it will be ruined if it was. 40 one. bottles. I mean, it, could, it very well could be could one be. sherry, one sherry, but so that's about 500 yeah. liters. So that would make sense actually if it was one sherry, but yeah, 40 bottles left. So as Graham said, it'll have been ruined. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I think there's an argument to be said that um, I, I'm very, very fortunate in some of the whiskies that I've tried. And I'd say that 50, I think I said this maybe yeah. last week, 50% of the whiskies that I've had over 50 years old have been cooked. Overcooked. Yeah, spent too much in cask and all that stuff. And I quite like a cooked whiskey. If you like kind of floor polish and leather, and <laughs> that, that's my, I actually kind of like that style of jam right. every now and then. Mm-hmm. But, it's ridiculous. I think we can unanim- unanimously agree that it's totally bonkers to buy a bottle of whiskey over 750k. Obviously, I'm the seller, so I hope it goes quite well. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's, it's one of those things that it's, it's, it's a different world, and unfortunately, whoever buys it, they won't open it. No. Well, they so, say that one, I think, it was in, I think it was Japan, they've said that there is photographic evidence of one of these bottles that had been bought by somebody between 1980. Because what happened was, I think... McAllen originally, when they bottled it, they gave most of the bottles to people, members of the McAllen Club. So that would be high-end rollers, yeah. people yeah, that yeah. buy it a lot. And anyway, they've obviously kept a few back, and some of them have been di- labelled differently and what have you over since it's been bottled. But I think they've said there's photographic evidence that shows that there's reason to believe that one has been. So there must be a photo of somebody with a dram beside it and the bottle opened and things like that. But I hope there's a smile on his face or her <laughs> face. <laughs> exactly. I, mean, I mean, do we know how much, and you know, in, in 1986, it probably wasn't sold for that. Even a 60-year-old, you, there was no whiskies that cost over two grand a bottle in, in no. the 1980s, mm. you know? So... It was. It's much more understandable, I would say, to, to say that a group of pals would go, this is brilliant, I'm already a customer of McAllen, we'll, we'll drink one of these. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then they can have a cry about it now if it goes yeah. well, for I so know. much. But also, if you were drinking whiskey in the 1980s, it's 2023, so you've lived your life. Yeah. <laughs> aye, aye, fair, yeah, you're right in yeah. that sense. I mean, it, it, when it comes to I mean, investment, whiskey investment's always an interesting one for me. When you look at investing in bottles and stuff and i think that's something that we do want to cover in the podcast at a later date you know we, there are people out there whiskey brokers that are out there there are serial collectors there are people who make money out yeah. of collecting I've, yeah. whiskey i've got nothing like against investment as such as i don't like flippers yeah you know just to make 15 20 pound profit on a you know springbank 10 for instance you know why well, you know they've got the time and effort to make 15 quid when a bottle of whiskey it's cost 50. Mm. Yeah. Just. Well, that's the interesting part about it is, is often what you'll maybe get, and you'll maybe you'll get this, and Ross, you'll probably get this a lot more than I do, but if you come across somebody and they say, oh, I've, I've got this bottle that it must be worth a fortune. And the thing is, with with things like this, Angus, is it's, it's only worth what someone's willing to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I, I was explaining this to somebody because he, he was telling me about how he's got that, he, I'm buying a lot of whiskey and I'm doing it as investment and what have you. And in fact, even I was speaking to the guys at the shop when I bought the the Hurich whiskey. What's interesting is what they've done is they've batched them. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's eight batches mm-hmm. that have gone into each one. Now, there's nothing different about the whiskey other than where it's which batch it's gone into. It's fermentation times. It's it's minuscule the yeah. differences. But there are people who are out there buying sourcing each one each batch <laughs> of that bottle because they'll sit with that and they'll go right. 
I've got all and now that. What batch have you got, Graham? Yeah. No I, idea. I've got <laughs> three or seven. Is that a three batch here? We've got two batches. We've got three and seven. I don't know which one. I don't even know. I'm not even checked on my bottle. Mine's actually. a batch two. There you go. <laughs> so there you there go. You I, don't really, I don't really like that. I don't like... No. I, and actually the guy, I, I was speaking to the, 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 the rep when I bought the bottle uh, and he said... Yeah, maybe it was a mistake doing that. We don't really know, but that's how we wanted to do it, and that's how it's been done. I, I think that's it's definitely a marketing department decision. I think, I hope that the Harris Distillery has all the success, all the success. Mm. But your first release to be a release of eight batches and ten thousand bottles that are, have such minuscule differences. We're mm. talking less than a percentage of alcohol. Fermentation times a little bit longer. PPMs are one or two different going into cask, not coming out of cask. It's it's essentially the same whiskey. Yeah. But what they have done from that is they have got an audience that will buy all eight batches. Well, that's it. And, yeah. and, and so can you criticise the marketing department? Yeah. I would, but I understand from the owner's perspective. It's genius. It's, I suppose it's smart. Yeah. Well, this is it. And, and I think this is where, when you look at it, I think you'd already mentioned it. Kevin as well as I'm a I'm a believer as well that whiskey's there to be drunk yeah. Yeah. Um, it doesn't go through the years no, and years no. of getting it made for it to sit on a shelf or even more yeah. but yeah when th- there are people out there who see it as an opportunity and an investment and don't get me wrong I've got a I've got Macallan 10 you yeah. know which it's a great why would you open it well the, the thing is it, the, the, it was actually an inheritance well I say inheritance basically what happened was my grandparents passed away and they opened up their cupboard and there was Glen Kinchy, Glen Scotia, there was a few others, but there was this Macallan 10. And I looked at the bottle and I went, I've never seen that before. Chucked it into Google and it's sitting at, I think, 750 quid yeah. for the bottle. And now, a very tasty dram. Well, this is the thing is I've got eight cousins, right? And there's my brother and my, my cousin Alistair. We're the only ones that like whiskey, right? Now, splitting 758 ways. Yeah. It's going to be a bit. There's no point in it. Whereas opening a bottle of Macallan Ten and sitting with okay. my brother and my cousin yeah. and having a good oh, a good I drink of it yeah. is this is the thing. And I'm sitting there going, well, but then there might be somebody out there who's absolutely desperate. If you are listening, please get in touch <laughs> 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 and willing to pay willing to pay a small fortune. And then you might look at it and yeah. go, well, okay, if someone's going to sit there, but it's like what you said, Kevin. It's like. Three grand, three grand. Yeah. And, and, and so that has, there's, there's got to be perspective around that. I, I'm not a whiskey collector. I have some whiskeys in my um, apartment flat. Apartment, sorry. Yeah. sorry. In my apartment, eh? Yeah. American fiance, what can you do? I've got some whiskeys in my flat that, um, that I've tasted, that are really nice, and that are now worth a little bit too much for me to, to, to yeah. open. I've never sold a single bottle on auction. No. But if it reaches that kind of five, six hundred quid and one day I need it, I've got it. Yeah. And you know, see also if we have a celebration, whatever's going to happen, a pal gets married or a child is born for somebody I like, maybe that's the day I grab that bottle out. Yeah. And so that's kind of what whiskey's about. As we yeah. discussed last week, a bad whiskey's bad company. Mm. So yep. drinking whiskey with others and celebrating is the one instance where I'd open that kind of thing. Macallan 10, nice dram. Mm. I've had Macallan, right. I've had a few different Macallan 10s. Um, there's, there's not well, really. I think at the time it was a hoose dram, as yeah, we've yeah, been yeah. saying. It was, it was five quid or something. Yeah, I mean, it was just Yeah, I think so, that, that was that supermarket drams. It was, wasn't it? That was that was basically what it was. So you're not losing anything by opening it because it was thirty five quid, and well, also right. you didn't even buy didn't it. Even, it. Even, sat in the back of my granny and granddad. Well, I mean, but, obviously anything expensive that Angus has collected, he just puts fags out in it. I'm kind of the same as Ross. Is that everything I've bought? I've consciously bought it to drink it, and there's a few that I've bought that I think right. Well, I'll save that for yeah. a An rainy occasion. day. Maybe, maybe, maybe if I have a kid, that'll wet the kid's head or something like yeah. that. You yeah. know, it, it's that sort of situation, and it's like I don't think there's there is a bit of a perverse interest. I might Google and say, oh, "What's that going for?" or "What's that going for?" But I don't think I could ever be. I mean, unless it was silly money, I don't think I could ever be compelled to sell anything. Everything yeah. I've bought. Uh, I've bought to drink myself and it's just you know I kind of the way I drink at home is I've got about four bottles that I'll have open at any one time and once those are done I'll open another one and then I'll open another one but my replacement rate is greater than my drinking rate or at least <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's yeah. what I always think so it's it's growing but it's a case of it's a case of you know one in one out almost so yeah. 
Um, you know, but there's, you know, like I said, there's some that are sitting there and have sat there for a wee while, but there's one or, one or two we got earmarked. Sometimes the value can sneak up on you. I'm, I'm with Kevin. Mm. If you're buying the Johnny Walker Game of Thrones series the week it's released to immediately flip it, I really, I can't get behind that. I, I sold. <laughs> Here we go, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bought the whole collection, obviously. Uh, yeah. It's about 400 I, quid, I think it was. It, was, it wasn't that bad. You know, I got a trade, obviously. But then I sold the empty bottles, the empty, case, empty boxes yeah. for 100 quid. There you <laughs> go. Somebody paid me 100 yeah. quid for eight empty boxes. See, that's just, well, I can't understand. And I was like, I, I just... Take advantage. I don't know how... <laughs> I approached the pub, I think, you know, you've got to kind of buy the boxes. I'm like... There you go. No, I think we should just put it towards a defibrillator fund. I can't remember what we Maybe did. Maybe he that. nicked all the bottles from retail stores, <laughs> and all he needed was the boxes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I've got I've got a, a load of it downstairs because Gordon McPhail, especially, we're getting rid of it. I think we paid about fourteen pound a bottle for some of the stuff. Huh? Really? So, that's it. So that's a game of throw. Right, well, I mean, the other side of it is as well is that for, you know, instead of being on the auctions to make money. There's, there's other ways of profiting on the auctions as well, which is something you've mentioned about. You occasionally dip into the auctions and buy bottles that will go into your shelves and yep. stuff. I've done it myself where you maybe go on. I think one of the best buys I ever had was uh, uh, Glen Farkless 17, and it was retail it was retail Fantastic. market only. Yeah, and I, I got that. I thought, now what I tend to do is I'll keep an eye on, I mean, when you go on these whiskey auction sites, it's page after page. Now, my preference is uh, I go straight to the wee bar that says low to high <laughs> so, and I start at the back you know and instead of going to the number one page where you've got some pretty costly things up there it's hard to actually try and find something um, one of the only things I have wanted to look for was after a tasting that we had done a master class that we had done at Scotch was uh, a 1980s bottle of Bells because I'd heard that it was Bells was made using maize instead of wheat am I right in saying Ross something like that something like that <laughs> possibly it's getting a bit too geeky <laughs> in me instead of maize probably no I think it was, it was maize because right. <laughs> uh, 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 apparently it made it have a sweeter buttery more popcorny flavour mm-hmm. and basically one of the things was and Bells has featured quite a lot in this podcast already <laughs> but I, I wanted to see why Bells was so popular through a, a generation ago and yet now, you know, is sneered at. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see what the difference was. Yeah. And, and, and interestingly, I, we, we were talking and my dad had a bottle of Bells that had sat on his cabinet for a long, long time and hadn't been drunk. And I, I, I kind of looked it up and it was like, first of the new recipe Bells that was produced. <laughs> so it was the first of the kind of new recipe Bells, yeah. I think kind of early 2000s or late 90s. Yeah, um, so it wasn't this kind of old recipe that you were looking for, Graham. It was the first of the. Well, unfortunately, the the only thing I the only bells that I could find on the auction from the (laughs) the sort of was was a Prince Andrew commemorative uh, bottle or something like that that was done for his uh, for his wedding. I thought that's not going to sit on my shelf. (laughs) I've got a bell downstairs. I'm not sure which year it is. I'll I'll dig out and see what see what year it is. Yeah, but I think it's familiarity. Maybe you know you seen your granddad was drinking bells. His dad was drinking bells, and you don't. You're maybe you're scared, or the generation before us was scared to order something else because everybody else was drinking bells. Yeah, I mean, when you go when you used to go to the pubs and stuff like that, you've seen it. I mean, maybe not so much since you've been in the pub trade as such in here. But before, go back to the 90s, the 80s, you wouldn't have had a pub that had 700 no, no single malts no or anything way. like that. It would oh. have been, that would yeah. it, you've got your standard. And your Bells probably would have been a four and a half litre bottle. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> White <laughs> Mackay and all these different As ones. As we briefly right? mentioned last week, I mean, malt whiskey wasn't produced until 1963 called Ferrick Pure Malt. Yeah. I am here because, I'm here drinking whiskey because my grandfather liked a grouse. Yeah. I'm not saying he was a womaniser when he drank grouse, but I was just saying that <laughs> he liked whiskey. He got frisky. <laughs> <laughs> he liked whiskey, he got frisky. My father got into whiskey because he liked whiskey, and yeah. I got into whiskey because he did. So, blended whiskey is what keeps all these distilleries open. Well, that's it. Before. Yeah, of course it does, yeah. yeah. I mean, don't tell it, our white Mackay is more expensive than some of our more whiskeys. Huh? Yeah. yeah, bizarrely. And do people, oh, but do people they, take white Mackay all the yeah, time? Yeah, they, 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 it's just... When the Smirnoff goes up, the white whiskey goes up. It just, yeah. you know. I associate white Macau with the West Coast, interestingly. Yeah, but there's certain customers here, that's all they'll drink, so um, it's on optic. Well, there you go. Well, I mean, the tradition on this podcast, the new tradition, we did it last week for each of us, Angus, myself and Ross, but the, the question we usually ask all our guests is the what three drams feature. So what we're looking for here, Kevin, is 
three drams. I think you've maybe mentioned a couple of them already, yeah. but three drams and what the story behind them is for you and why you've selected them. Yeah, I mean, I, I did mention two, but Bells, obviously, when I was 13 or 14, stole a bottle off my dad uh, up the hills camping and uh, violently sick, and the smell just put me off till I was in my 30s. It was just... You know, I, I implore my son not to follow my, you know, I've got some nice whiskeys in my cupboard and I'm going to have to lock them up. Yeah. You know, I can imagine him going up the hill with some McAllen coronation or something. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I had a similar experience with thankfully it was with vodka and lemonade. Yeah. So. Yeah. See, I, wish, I, wish I don't feel like I'm missing out. But <laughs> so the big question I want to know is, was this in the 80s and was it a 1980s bottle of milk? Can you remember distinctly what the difference was? There's a picture of Prince Andrew in the front. <laughs> it was the 90s, I'm afraid. Ah, right, okay. And it didn't taste great. Uh, tasted worse coming back but, <laughs> <laughs> then my second drama price is Balvenie 10 year old founders okay. uh, oh, probably, really? okay, probably one of the first drams I poured uh, in my first pub job right. uh, just an iconic bottle iconic whiskey you know it's uh, I mentioned one, the 12 year old last week so the 10 year olds yeah. I never really got to experience so do you remember where you tried it? Or? And it was, I didn't try it because I was still petrified of the smell. It was just one of the first bottles I was selling and pouring the drams. Uh, and there was one, it was a safe bet. Somebody comes to the bar, I was working the grass market at the time, I want a whiskey, I'll have any 10, you know. Now, couldn't go wrong with it. So the customers, you know, they were, they were happy to, to receive that. And obviously the Bunahaban I talked about was the 2013 Moin Bordeaux. Uh, I think Hazel was the rep at the time. Yeah, just, Hazel McLeod, yeah. And she did an online tasting with COVID restrictions, I think. Thankfully, because of the restrictions, we could only have like one person per table. Mm-hmm. So there was 14 extra tasting packs that were left behind, which I then took home, obviously, to, and it got me through COVID. Uh, just, you know, these tasting packs. Testing your taste buds <laughs> once a week on a Bunahaven. 2013 Moin Bordeaux. Moin Bordeaux. Moines repeated yeah. Bordeaux. Yeah. Interesting. And that was, it was a first whiskey peated whiskey I really enjoyed and I just thought you know it's a, it's a nice nice whiskey to, yeah. to remember mm. and I'll, I'll remember Covid because of that yeah. there's a lot of things I'll remember Covid for but of course. that'll be a fond memory a fond memory of it yeah uh, wow. and, I, I, and again I'm sort of breaking the, the podcast rules as such but I'm interested in, as, a, as a man who's worked in pubs and, and, and has a as a landlord of a pub any good pub tales any good stories for the pub well that's not too far from here there's a pub up the road uh, classic story it's <laughs> not my pub not in this pub maybe a bit X-rated but <laughs> I heard it in this pub so somebody went up uh, it's, not, it's been done up now it used to be called the Vietnam uh, uh-huh. so you can imagine uh, how bad it was and one of the regulars was up there and he walked in and there was a beautiful boxer you know, you know pub dogs love pubs love pubs dogs you know dogs belong in pubs as far as I'm concerned but he's particularly good looking boxer I mean I've never looked at a boxer like a that handsome boxer. it's a handsome boxer oh, God. so he's sitting down with his wee half and half or nip and a half he was having and in walks another guy with another beautiful looking boxer and so they're talking at the bar and exchange money and the dogs just go for it but <laughs> it was the stud fee they were going for it <laughs> they, were, they were making puppies making puppies yes making sweet love in the pub in the pub in the pub <laughs> so this guy's just sitting there drawing a nip and a half and he's just watching <laughs> literally doggy style <laughs> <laughs> and then as soon as he's finished it, they, they walked again and that was it that was it that was the breeding ground the Vietnam <laughs> the Vietnam yes. pubs so. have all sorts of uses well there you go I think on there's no better note than yeah. to finish this well, uh, one of, one of the regulars he was in here and he went home he, he bought a dog off someday he sits in the pub and the guy got a bit drunk he's like hey, buy my dog he goes yeah I'll buy a dog what, so he, not in here no in here yeah, in here, yeah so, so, Jimmy yeah so he, Jimmy bought a back in the 80s yeah, he home. bought a dog <laughs> off a guy in a pub yeah. <laughs> wait to see a man about a dog is that, that not the phrase for going for a pint and wait to see a man about a dog and he comes back with a dog he, he did get divorced shortly afterwards but <laughs> <laughs> at least he had a dog <laughs> But then the guy who went home without the dog, I was like, oh, ah, too many go. questions. Do you have any stories of being in a whiskey pub or anything that is particularly memorable for Here's you? Here's a story about breeding dogs. I've got <laughs> <laughs> Let's get right, My dad this. used to breed boxers. Pubs <laughs> <laughs> in the West End Edinburgh. Dodgy pubs. I don't know. I can remember... Um, and again it fills up the American cliche I can remember it was like Angus's story last Mm. week about being in Japan and seeing that so what was it Haddington House Haddington House Haddington House Haddington House but I remember being in the um, being in the pub in in Australia and it was a Glenfiddich 12 actually I can remember sort of there and there was a bunch of folk we were in Sydney it was and the guy comes up and we're having a whiskey 
And this guy comes up, you guys drinking scotch? And I said, uh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're drinking, we're drinking whiskey, aye. Uh, what you drinking? And I sort of said, that's a Glenfiddich 12. And of course, the prices in Australia for drink is is up there. And I was only, what, 21, 22 whilst I was out there, so. I'm a fifer, so pretty aye, Exactly, but he offered to buy another round. Brilliant. So I said, yeah, and then he, he taps his chest, puffs his chest out, I'm a McDonald. Like this, right? And he went, my folks practically invented this stuff. you like, you turn in for a free drink. I says, hey, cheers, mate. And he just chucked it back, right? And he was drinking it. And he's obviously had a good scoop already, so he's yeah. drinking it. But I could see him, as he's drinking it, the instant regret <laughs> of what he's just done. He turned around and went, good night, folks. And they walked away. And as he was walking away, spewed <laughs> everywhere. No. I said, Enjoy your evening, Mr. <laughs> McDonald. <laughs> I'm sure your folks will be happy with that. I guess when you talk about some of the stories in the pubs and stuff like that, it's, you, it's characters that you get, isn't it? There's, there's, what's the joke about the, the three boys that would drink um, OVD rum and Coke, but one of the boys had a Scottish bar. Yeah, the speech yeah. impediment couldn't pronounce his R's, right? So, he couldn't, so, so what he would do is uh, he couldn't say three rum and Cokes. So he's going to get two rum and cokes and another one. <laughs> there he is. I've got to credit that to Tam Cowan. <laughs> yeah, is that better than my white horse uh, joke that I told you? The, Couldn't it get worse? That, <laughs> that white horse joke? Oh, I shouldn't get started. It's Colin. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that before. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, Google it. <laughs> I've got a whiskey named after you, you know, a whiskey named Colin. Uh, <laughs> Boo! <laughs> right, on that note, you've been listening to Whiskey Stories Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and please keep sharing the pod. Thanks for listening, everybody, and have a, a great week. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Cheers to you. Bye. Cheerio.